Hello everybody, welcome back to the Statdose podcast. We're here doing a special debriefing the debrief because this morning we've done our second session of the simulated ward round with our year five students. Got a busy table today. A lovely Hugh back. Hello. Got the lovely Laura back. Hi there. And we've got well, we've got uh, kind of lovely <laughs> Angela May. Hello, Angela. Hello. So obviously, because we're an internationally world-renowned podcast, um, it's the first time you're on my podcast, though we know you quite well in Truro. We just mind just saying who you are. And what what is it? What do you do, Ange? What what is what is the point of you? <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Angela Late, and I'm the senior clinical skills tutor for Truro. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means I line manage Matt and Joe. Yeah, how's that, how's that working out? Not well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're here just to, uh, to talk through some of the key learning points, I suppose, from, from the session from this morning. So I think we both agreed that in general, the two teams that we had doing the uh, the simulated board rounds today did very, very well. Really well. And there were uh, some similar themes that came up during, or after, during the debrief of yeah. both sessions. The first point that I wanted to talk about really was writing in the notes. I think that's a good idea. You go for it, you. I think that's a great idea. Sure. <laughs> so, I guess starting from how we'd like to start writing the notes, first thing we need to make sure is that it's legal. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. It's a biggie. So the first thing we do for that is to make sure that it is dated and timed. There are a couple of examples in both sessions where they weren't timed or dated. Mm. So I think that's something that we did pick up on. Mm. And the other thing that I noticed right from the off was that actually getting the correct name for the consultant leading the ward round. Yeah. Was missed out. Yeah. Because it was, it was I was I was presenting to the consultant. I was doing an excellent job. I'm sure you all agree. You were. <laughs>
Any uh, any tips, guys, for structuring the notes for wardrobes particularly? So yeah, we, well, the, the structure that Hugh very nicely ran through during both sessions, um, I think, is quite a logical way to lay it out. So if we run through it now, so obviously, as we've already talked about, you start with your date and your time. You start with your heading, so ward round and the consultant's name and who else is present on the ward round is quite helpful, including yourself. And then start from the top, you you want to talk about what this person has been admitted with, a bit about their background, so any background conditions that are relevant to what's going on at present. And then you want to talk about the current problems. So in that order, admitted with, background, current problems. And once you've filled that in, then you can think about if they've had any tests done since they've been admitted, so blood tests or scans or ECGs, so they need to be reviewed and documented that they've been reviewed during the ward round. And then and then you can move on to what's happening now today. Mm. So your entry for that ward round, the examination and the observations as well. That me and Hugh both quite like putting in the top right hand corner. But yeah, that is that was a nice little moment. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. I like to put it there. I like to put it there. I like to put it there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Sort of, sort of solidarity. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it just means it must be the right way to do it. Yeah. Must, if me and Hugh do it, it must be right. <laughs> um, and then, so once you've done your today's entry, it's important to get a clear and prescriptive um, consultant-led plan mm-hmm. at the bottom and documented clearly, um, not only for yourselves, but for any on-call doctors who might be called to review this patient mm-hmm. over the weekend or over the night time. Um, so it's so it's clear in the notes what's what's going on with this patient. I think something else that we did talk about a little bit today was if consultants aren't being particularly clear with the plan that they want uh, to be put in place, that actually the best thing is to question them mm-hmm. and to try and make them clarify what they meant. And I think that can sometimes be quite difficult as a junior, particularly if you've got a consultant that you find a bit intimidating. It's a bit daunting, really, isn't it? If you're yeah. Yeah, you're, you're sort of the the lowest echelon of of the medical hierarchy and you're supposed to be yeah. having that sort of awkward discussion with the person who's at the highest echelon of the, of the hierarchy. It is awkward. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like that pause. <laughs> what can we use in practice? So, I mean, today we talked about using something called the PACE tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that was, I think, originally brought in through the aviation side of things, yeah. as you know, same as the Swiss cheese model. So. And aviation as well. Yeah, well, everything's aviation. So PACE, um, it stands for, so the P stands for probe, which is sort of initial suggestion to your senior that you're not quite sure about the plan. So in today's scenario, it was, we'd identified that the patient had ST elevation on their ECG um, and they were going to have to wait an hour for the cardiologist to come. So the probe would have been, do you think an hour is a little bit too long to wait for PCI for this patient? And then if that doesn't work and they don't respond to that, you can move on to A, which stands for alert. So that might be an hour might be a little bit too long to wait for PCI for this patient because they've got ST elevation. And more often than not, you won't need to move past that point. Um, But occasionally you might need to move on to C, which is challenge, which would be, I think an hour is too long to wait. We need to do something about this earlier. And then finally, E is emergency, when you take over the, the situation and say, an hour is too long to wait, I'm going to act on this now. 
graded assertiveness is what it has sometimes termed in the sort of human factors field. And it's just a nice way for someone who who feels junior or feels unable to speak up just to give them a structure to, to allow them to, to go through. And as you say, 99% of people are, are pretty um, comfortable with being probed. <laughs> comfortable with the, with the gentle probing. No, that's wrong. Well. Don't, don't need to go... Past the, <laughs> the P stage. Yes. So, yeah, most, 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 yeah. Let's, you get, you get the picture. Um, so, and from a nursing point of view, is there anything particularly, in terms of why we're still talking about sort of documentation, writing the notes, anything that, that our medical students should be aware of, that our F1 should be aware of? What, what irritated you from a, from a nursing perspective? Right? It irritated me. Yeah. So, today's round was very rushed. Uh, with a very pompous consultant uh, <laughs> <laughs> and many distractions. Um, uh, so as I say, it was quite rushed. Uh, the medical students were being asked to write in the notes very quickly. Uh, and so legibility to me is very important. You know, you must be able to read what someone's written down hmm. for a patient safety point of view in case you get things wrong or mixed up. Yeah, to be able to read what the plan is, to be able to read... Uh, what the consultant thought uh, during the round and who was there so that you know who to go to if you want to clarify anything. What's your viewpoint on acronyms? Yeah, so, you know, not all nurses understand abbreviations and little drawings and shapes yeah. that are written down in the notes. And I know for speed, uh, they can, you know, they can be used. But you need to be aware that it's not only doctors that are reading the notes, mm. as other healthcare professionals as well. I suppose if you can identify who's written in the notes, so if you've got a legible signature, you can always go and speak to that person to ask them to clarify what they mean by that. Mm. But it can be difficult if you're not used to writing in that way. I mean, there's certain acronyms. I remember when I was an F1 or F2 and I was on a, on a medical ward and uh, cabbage was the, was the classic. And we had yeah. MDT notes where somebody, a medical person, had documented cabbage and then later in the nursing notes somebody had written the word in 1998 the patient had a cabbage and wrote cabbage out fully as the, yeah. as the vegetable, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. That patient in 1998 had a cabbage. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just, it just highlights that. From sort of our perspective, as a from a doctoring point of view, cabbages are very clear. We all kind of know what that is, but actually, there's nurses, physios, OTs, mm. whoever else, you know, also looking at the notes and, and actually acronyms that we use on a day to day basis might not be clear to everybody else. Yeah, and as, as nurses, we're taught not to abbreviate. Yeah. yeah. Um, for legal reasons as well as legibility. So and there's a lot of crossover between specialties. So what one acronym means in one part of the hospital, it means something else in a different part of the hospital. Well, classic for paediatrics is, is TOF, is that tetralogy of family, yeah. yeah. track of your esophageal or fistula. Yeah. yeah. So, so where you can avoid it, I would avoid acronyms. So I think documentation was probably the thing we spoke about most in the, in the debrief during the session, but I think one of the other key learning points that came out of, of the ward round this morning was was job roles or, or allocating to the ward round job roles. And there are a couple of different techniques or different uh, examples that we that we came up with, often based on where you are. So sort of surgical ward rounds came up as being often very difficult to uh, medical ward rounds or pediatric ward rounds, and ENT ward rounds came up because there's often more doctors and patients as we uh, as we discussed. <laughs> Guys, have you got any particular job roles or any, any examples you want to talk about here? 
Yeah, so I guess the from a surgical uh, perspective, what we were talking about was because it's at such a fast rate, it needs to be a lot more structured to make sure that things don't fall through the gaps. Mm. So actually, often having a bit of a talk beforehand as a group makes it much easier for everyone to know what role they're expected to be doing. Mm. And so what responsibilities they have during the war round. I think there are a few that quite often crop up. So scribe is a really common job role. Mm. Often, particularly if it's going to be quite a fast-paced round, you need more than one if you've got more than one person yeah. available. Not, not for the same patient. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. it's quite a patient. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of chopping and changing within, within that role. Someone being the prescriber, so someone kind of taking control of, yeah, if you've got a laptop for EPMA or otherwise, someone who's going to be looking at the drugs charts and fluids charts for each patient. Another one that can be really useful on surgical order is actually having someone who's in charge of the job list. Now, that I think the thought process behind that is it means that, again, only one person has got the responsibility mm. for listening to all the jobs. And it means that actually... Like a master, yeah. a single master and job A master job document. Job yeah. Yeah. Or well, master document, depending on where you are. Sorry. We do cater to all ethnic minorities. But yeah, I, I think having having someone in charge of the jobs list on quite a hectic board round, I actually think makes it quite a lot safer for the patients because it means that things aren't missed. Mm. I agree. I think um, having someone in charge of a single jobs list makes it much safer and it's much more efficient as well when it comes to rounding up at the end of the ward round. You already have your jobs list drawn up yeah. and you don't have to spend 20 minutes running through all your other jobs list and collecting yeah. it, yeah. How, how many jobs do you think you could do on the round? What are the, what are the jobs do you think should be done on the round? Which ones? That's a good question. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, there are certain jobs which are appropriate to do on the ward round. So if you, for the certain patient that you're seeing, I think it's appropriate to prescribe certain types of medications that you're comfortable prescribing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and also fluids. If, if you're aware of this patient's hydration status, if it's mm. been covered during mm. the ward round, I think that's safe to do as well. And of course, any emergency medicines, if, if there happens to be a particularly unwell patient on the ward round, such as um, antibiotics or something like that, if a patient is septic, I think that's appropriate. Also, depending on the speed and the, the setup of the ward round, sometimes if you have a computer with you, like a computer on wheels, you might also have time to order certain quick investigations, such as yeah. chest x-rays or... Um, CTs, etc. CTs, yeah. 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 Other things, yeah. I, I know it's a lot of the F1s carry kit clipboards. Yeah. And they've got lots of them, they open up and they've got the little bits of paper and stuff. You call them twat boxes. Do you actually call them I have one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you keep in your twat box? <laughs> <laughs> you met my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, I definitely used to use um, a box like that when I was in F1. I thought it was really helpful. So I used yeah. to have continuation sheets. Okay. It's always good to have on hand. And then, yeah, I, granted I was back, back up north. Didn't have computers, so I used to have a lot of... <laughs> a lot of yeah. Electricity or anything? No, no. So a lot of our imaging request forms were done on paper mm. rather than via the computer system. So yeah, make sure I had a lot of those. We'd actually keep DNAR forms as well. Because I was on a dark. <laughs> uh, I, I used to work on elderly care, so it's just yeah. it's any forms that I use frequently. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to talk about the role of the nurse on the ward round. 
You'll always find that a nurse will accompany the senior or the doctor who's who's doing the ward round, and they're usually the most senior nurse on the ward. Mm-hmm. They generally have a, a an overview of all the patients that that doctor is going to see, not so much in detail, but they, they generally know what's going on. But mm-hmm. they're the liaison between uh, the doctors and the, the staff on the ward. They will feed back anything that they hear mm-hmm. or learn on that round. But they also have the input of what's been happening on a daily basis or overnight to the patient when the doctors haven't been around they can report back uh, on whether the patient's pain relief is working or whether they slept well or if they're not eating things like that the other thing is uh, for people to use the nurse for things like do they know where certain things are like a blood result yeah, or point, yeah. uh, could could they get the ops chart things like that um, things like what, what time is that patient scanned yeah yeah in surgery do you know where they are on the list things yeah, like yeah, that yeah um you know are they ready to go for the, yeah you know, things so yeah they, they're obviously uh very useful for information but they're uh, a key point in uh, the patient's care when it comes to sort of liaising with the staff that are going to be looking after that patient and making sure the management plans are acted on because yeah. they could also chase up the doctors That's a great uh, if things haven't been, you know, if things have been written yeah. uh, and haven't been done yet. It's all, you know, always good having a prescriber as a, as a job role for the ward round, but if they don't tell the nurse, then... Exactly. Yeah. And go back to legibility, you know. If you don't tell the nurse, then check the notes and follow you up on that as well. So one of the things that uh, I picked up on this morning was a discussion around the completion of TEP forms and when they should be done and who by, which yeah. I thought was quite interesting. It was on the, the handover sheet, wasn't it, for the medical yeah. students to, to do as a task. So I don't think it was really acted upon. Quite often the nurses will flag up to the junior doctors that maybe a TEP discussion needs to be had mm. with a patient. So it then falls onto maybe an F1 to take that forward. But it's not really a job, I understand, that an F1 should be doing. Yeah, um, I, I certainly as an F1 didn't take on the responsibility of doing TEP discussions on my own. I, I didn't feel comfortable with it at that stage. Um, if you do and you feel like you've got experience in that, then that's okay to sort of plant the seed and start that discussion mm. with the patient. But as an F1, you uh, certainly shouldn't be filling them in independently no. and they always need to be counters- countersigned by a consultant. You can certainly have involvement as an F1, but in the actual filling in of the yeah. legal documentation, that is not an F1 job. You've got to at least be an F2 in this country and it needs to be countersigned to yourself. I think once, if you're in for longer than 24 hours, I think. Yeah, we get yeah. Away, get away with it, it's wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong phrase. We, we do them a lot in ED and we don't get them signed by a consultant. At the end of the ward round, there's that sort of that call off period. Certainly, this morning when grumpy uh, consultant here um, departed the ward round, um, there's a bit of a call off period, and then it's sort of a, a, a time to prioritise your your jobs, work out what, what they are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like work out what you're going to do for the rest of the day. <laughs> when can I go? <laughs> when, when, when we finished surgical ward rounds, we used to call it a debrief because it was so traumatic. Yeah. You needed a little debrief and just cool down, have a cup of tea, and work out what on earth we had to do after that ward round. So, how do you go about having those discussions? Then, what, what needs to happen first? I suppose is the question. So, hopefully, after you've done the ward round, if you'd followed the structure and had your jobs <laughs> list person, you might already have a 
clear and already written up jobs list. Mm. If that's not the case, then you might need to run through each patient that you've seen and work out what jobs need to be done. And then it's a case... It does take so much time out of the day. It does. It Mm. can take... If you've had a long ward round, that that can take half an hour, an hour sometimes. As as in going back around looking in the notes or... Either that or or just talking through as as a team. If you've all been in ward round with different patients, it can take a while. But then once you've got those jobs, the important thing is to start prioritising them. Thinking about who, who the sick patients are whose scans you need to get in uh, ordered in quickly to make them happen earlier in the day. I guess, yeah, I guess some of the bed managers quite often try and put a bit of pressure on you to do early is discharge some mm. yeah. TTOs, yeah. And that makes prioritisation a bit more difficult, I think, as a junior. Because you've you've got different priorities to bed managers. Mm. Uh, your priority has to be really to your patients, I'd say, so it's... And to the sick patients who who Mm. need investigations and and treatment, yeah. And I agree, I'd always put uh, clinical priority over bed space priority Mm. um, if I have a sick patient. We're going to have to disagree here. So from from an ED point of view, from a hospital patient safety point of view, discharges keep the department, keep our department safe. Yeah. And when when patients aren't being discharged, all that happens is the corridor gets fuller and fuller. Yeah, it's difficult. So I mean, that's you know that's the perspective that the bed managers are coming yeah. from is that they're getting pressure from yeah. from us. No, so it is all based around patient safety. Yeah, and I think uh, you're absolutely right though. That if you've got a sick patient on the ward, and that yeah. does need to be your priority. But I, I still think sort of TTOs and discharge summaries are, are quite high. Yeah. No, they're higher up on your priority list than you might think um, when it comes to thinking about how the rest of the hospital is functioning. Flow. Yeah, the patient flow. Um, and it's how long pharmacy take as well. Yeah. Right, I've been on the water for a very long period of time. Yeah. Um, pharmacy used to take very, hours. It's very difficult yeah. to get a patient actually discharged by lunchtime. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's the target, isn't it? That's what's, it's certainly a local target yeah. is to get them out or sat out before midday. But you know, if your ward round finishes, you know, it's a, it's a two One, hour, three two, hour ward round. So yeah, you know, exactly. You're not going to finish until until after that target time, and then that's why it's good to to set out job roles even yeah. after the ward round's finished and say, right, you are designated person to get people discharged, and mm. I'm going to look after the sick patients. What's so, a rubbish job that is. It is a rubbish <laughs> job, but uh, if it is. <laughs> It gets it done, doesn't it? From a patient's perspective, uh, talking of discharge, if you've been told by your consultant on the ward round at 10am that you can go home, and at 6pm you're still waiting for the doctor to write your discharge letter and pharmacy to send up your drugs to take home with you, it can be very frustrating. And there's issues with hospital transport maybe if that's what they need to go home you then get into the realms of angry patients angry relatives Mm. uh, (laughs) unhappy nurses and it adds to your stress but the nurses understand that the sick patients come first but it's very difficult when you've got it coming from two sides Mm. um and the you know as a patient you just want to go home if you've been told that you can, uh, but I don't know what the answer is. It's, I don't think uh, anyone does, otherwise mm. we would have found it by now. Mm. Uh, but I think, I think that's, that's an important point as well, actually. Again, it's the nursing staff that are probably going to field a lot of that anger from relatives, because they're yeah. generally the ones that answer the phone, or, or sort of, you know, if the wall answers the phone, it's hard to get the nurse looking after that bay. Yeah. And it's, it's that, you say, it's that anger relative going, I was told they'll be home by midday, and their, care, their carers had turned up. The care package has been restarted, but there's nobody yeah. at home, and you know, yeah. all those sort of things. A hospital transport's been booked, and they turn up to collect them, but 
yeah. the patient's not ready yeah. and then they won't stay and yeah. it yeah, it becomes yeah. A, a bit of a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Or I guess the problem where the doctors have gone home and not signed it off and then it's suddenly the evening scene after sign off someone as being safe to go and they don't know the patient at all. And right. after hours it gets even more yeah, difficult. It gets really, really tough. Right. So brilliant, that's uh, well, hopefully a useful discussion. I've learned a lot as someone who doesn't do wardrobes particularly often <laughs> or at all. Um, I've learned a lot from, from that discussion. Thank, thanks, guys. So hopefully, if, if we just knit round, if we go maybe a summary point each, we yeah. have a couple of seconds to think about a summary. But Andrew, you look ready. You look so I'm ready, I'm so ready. You're so ready for this summary. <laughs> what's, uh, what, what's your sort of take home message then for our, for our students? I think talk to the nurses, include them in your discussions, they can be very helpful. But also, remember, they're the liaison between you and the patient yeah. quite often, and they can clarify points with patients and make sure treatment plans are followed. And legibility, mm-hmm. when you write the notes, make sure other people can read it so that mistakes don't happen and things get done that need to be done. Mine would be about prioritisation. Get your jobs list done and collated quickly so that you can prioritise, obviously, your sick patients, but also have thinking about patient flow, getting those TTAs and discharges done flow. early. Patient flow. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tickle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mine's going to be uh, ward rounds are just a heck of a lot easier when people understand what role they're meant to be doing. I think my summary point is ward rounds are even easier if you don't do them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I think, as you've probably noticed, ward rounds are, are quite, actually it's a skill, it's a skill in itself, yeah, and I'm really thing. glad we've got it as a, as a fifth year session because yeah. I hated them as, a, as an F1, F2. I hated them as a junior. I found them really difficult. I found them very boring and my feet hurt. And that's not the sole reason, but that's one of the reasons. <laughs> uh, when I did my, my first EG, ED job, I was kind of like, no, right, right, great. I just I see one patient at a time. So yeah, don't do walk-ins. Do ED. It's my summary point. <laughs> Do you not do rounds in ED then? No, there's the CDU CDU ward round, which doesn't count because okay. it's just going fit, 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 not fit. Okay. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, again, as ever, follow us on Twitter. Um, any feedback you want to give us, drop us an email or, or tweet us. Do a tweet at us and do a tweet. Joe will respond because <laughs> that's his job. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>